wellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to A Quirky Journey, the healthy family podcast with your hosts, Joe Witten and Fuad Kassab. Welcome to A Quirky Journey. I'm your host, Joe Witten, and with me I have Fuad Kassab, my crazy, annoying, amazing friend. Hi, Fuad. Oh, hi, Joe. How's it going? <laughs> Good. That's a great introduction. Thank you so much. I That's you'd like spot that. on. Yeah, great. Joe and I are offline he talking on about being how annoying. Oh, I like I like being annoying. Annoying is sort of considered a negative thing in this world, but I think it's a positive thing. I think well, it's nice to be that's annoying. That's true. You do you do um, poke and prod me to make me a better person, right? Look, if I wasn't going to use this time to be annoying, I'd be probably sitting down quiet, like in in complete Zen state. And I don't think that that, as much as that would be nice for me, I don't think it's good for social interaction. So I use that time and I channel it towards annoyance and therefore create a more dynamic relationship with the person I speak to. And (laughs) that's just that's how it is. And. It just comes out as an annoying thing and, you know, it's not annoying enough for people to be get upset with me and then say, I don't want to be friends with that guy. No, it's, it's more kind of, of a, endearing. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's an endearing kind of annoying. That's all right. It works. So yeah. I'm not going to change it. It's fine. So thank you. Thank you for being Too my, old to change. My most bestest and annoyingest friend. <laughs> yes. Thank you, John. You're welcome. I could say the same about you. <laughs> I'm sure you can. Oh, Joe and I a... got into a fight this week about oh, don't tell everybody. sending messages <laughs> uh, you know, at 6 a.m. I'm like, Joe, oh, I just, it's just woke not up. not 6 a.m. Yes, it was 6 a.m. my time or something, or your no. time, something like that. <laughs> it was I'm urgent. trying to get Joe off her phone a little bit, and <laughs> I think she's getting better, but I don't know. It might be just going in cycles. Funny thing. Um, but we'll see how it goes. Do you guys get on your phone all the time or hey, is it just Joe? I'm not yes. on my phone all the time. Haven't you seen all my amazing – oh, oops. I was about yeah. to say all my amazing photos of nature and then I went – oh, that's right. I took yeah. them with my phone. <laughs> that's right. that's but right. my phone is my camera as well. So well, that's it's giving not, you an excuse. It's not just a phone. Um, <laughs> I um, – look – I'm not going to complain. It's built your business to be what That's it is right. today. That's right. But, but you know, like also you need space and time for yourself. I do. I know you like it. You like it. You like your phone. It's all right. I just, I don't like mine. Hey. That's, I think that's the root cause of this whole issue. Yeah. Is that yeah. I, I pers- it's not your thing. It's not like because I don't like you sending me messages. It's like I don't like my phone. I hate it. I hate the fact that I have to check it and I, like people contact me and all that. It's just I want people to leave me alone. And I just, that's how I feel in general about about this phone. I don't want to be contactable. I was watching this movie um, with Elaine about Watergate yeah. uh, recently, and it was with Robert Redford and Dustin Hoffman. I don't know. It was made in the eighties or something, and they were yeah. like, um, they, everything was just like eighties stuff, you know, like they had the television with the full-on dials and the oh. you know the speaker with that kind of vent you know yes. what i'm talking about so. and um and they would like they were wearing corduroy suits and oh that's um, scary yeah and, and they like they were eating at, at mcdonald's when mcdonald's was sort of more like a normal restaurant back then and um they ate at, at mcdonald's a lot and they had all these phones where like when you had to dial someone you actually used you know a dial 
like the, you know, what, people you mean don't a wall know phone? what dial. Yeah, like yeah. you know those phones with the dials, the actual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember like them. that kind of stuff. I'm like that old. Oh man, bring those days back. That yeah. would be cool. <laughs> you, oh. you walked away and left the phone there. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You can't, you can't take it with you. you no, know? no. And these were people who were working at the Washington Post, and they were doing a stellar job at journalism with very, very little technology. You yeah. know, amazing. So. Um, <laughs> That's that. I was like, I want to, I want that. Go back in time. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, so. I just have to say, in my defence, that I do take time out and I do have time away from my phone, especially if I'm around friends and people and reading to the kids and stuff. I put my phone aside and I don't answer it. So there. Yeah, but but it's in, in the back of your mind, like you. <laughs> no, it's not. Is. Not when I'm not when I'm with people. Yes, no, yeah, honestly, I, when I'm with people, I I really enjoy that social interaction and i i just put my phone away i do all right if you say so <laughs> like clinical observation says something <laughs> otherwise <laughs> You're such a rat. i yeah. have to say um on you know your facebook memories pop up um from a year or two ago or whatever and i think it was three or four years ago i just had one pop up about a blog post i did called time out and i was yeah. reading reading through it this morning and i thought you know that's that's really, you know, that's it was talking about the things that I love to do for time out. And um, it's a good reminder because I do generally go and take some time out every day. But I know my um, my hormone specialist, Nat Kringidis, she says, I have, she said, you have to actually schedule three hours of time out by yourself every week. And that's part of my treatment plan. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah, treatment for the psychological disorder. <laughs> no. <laughs> of like being for, obsessively, for compulsively okay. associated Hormones. with the phone. You know what I like to schedule? I like to schedule time in. I like to live my life as a completely time out. Yeah. And then like <laughs> schedule the every time once in a while going, oh, this is a bit too much time out. Like it's, this is not healthy. Yeah, that would be nice. I've got to do some that time That would out. be nice. Hey, yeah. um, I, we've been spending a lot of time outside lately because the weather is amazing. And running around the lake and um, picking strawberries in the sun, and so oh, just look beautiful. at my look at my photos on Instagram. All right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Every second is documented. Go have no, it's not. No, <laughs> but I, it's just so beautiful up here. I have to share photos and make everybody yeah. jealous. Here's here's what happens in life, Joe. Things <laughs> go in cycles. You know, we've yeah. got we're in spring now. Life is just completely like abundant in the mm. Blue Mountains. It's just bursting Blossoms. and beautiful yeah. and flowers and greens and purples. And oh, my God, like even a colorblind person such as myself can see <laughs> so much beauty. Like I'm, I'm breathtaking with every turn. Yeah. You know, it's amazing. Yeah, it's and, you know, and then summer will come and we'll, it'll bring a different energy to it. And then autumn will come and a different, and then winter, you know, yeah. and, and, sometimes it's high sometimes it's low and it's just it's okay to to cycle through these things you know to have times where you work and we're very productive and all these kinds of things and then to take some time off yeah i agree and summer and spring i get i wake up at like 5 30 with the sun and i want to get going early because I, it's just like that kind of energy in the mornings but winter i want to sleep in well, it's cold, and you want to be under the quilt. Yeah. That's kind of... But I do love this time of year when it's not too hot yet, and it's just like, you just can't wait to get out of bed in the morning. It's awesome. I, 
uh, bought a mattress topper. That's good. Which uh, I've used for the first time yesterday. Like, um, I've, I've always been told that a firm mattress is better for you. So I've always bought, you know, bought into that idea. But on my travels recently, I've slept in what felt like nano beds, you know, that's what I call them. <laughs> like these beds where you, you don't sleep on the bed, you sleep inside yeah, it. You know, like, yeah, inside. yeah it, it leaves like a, a mark. Yeah. And uh, my back felt much better because of it. So I was like, I need, maybe I need a softer thing. So I went and bought a, a mattress stopper uh, from this brand called Ecosa, not associated with them, paid full price, of course. Um, but I uh, put it on and felt like sleeping on clouds. And I had a, a really kind of restful night. Um, I've only had one night on it. So I'll report back for you guys if you're dealing with any kind of chronic pain issues or anything like that. This might be a, a nice thing for you. Um, but I woke up and I don't know if you noticed, but I started sending emails at around 8 o'clock Yes, I did morning. notice. You yeah. were like up early working. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's it springtime. Maybe it's the good sleep. Mm. I don't know what it is. But... Yeah. Um, yeah, so I've, I've got a lot of plans for today. I'm going to take my laptop at some point and go to the bush next to my house. I'm going to go on my sitting rock. I'm going to ah. sit there and I, like, I'll probably do a little video for you guys to see what it looks like. It's amazing. It's behind the Norman Lindsay Gallery. Yeah. Um, and it's the most surreal place. Like you go down uh, behind the Norman Lindsay estate He's got all his sculptures. Well, he didn't put, I don't, know, I don't know if he put them there or not. But he's got sculptures everywhere that he's done of these weird gargoyles demons, and things. gargoyles. And yeah, they're following these women, you know, and it's, it's kind of yeah, really surreal. And then you go down and he's dug this pool into the rock. Oh. And there's no water in there. I wish there was. I would go yeah, I was swimming there. That would be amazing. Good. But like, you know, like it feels like Greco-Roman kind of setting within the Australian bush, the most surreal thing. Yeah. And then I'll, I walk out of there and it's just within a couple of minutes, I'm in the middle of wilderness. There's not a soul to be seen or heard. It's just like trees at the distance, a, a massive drop underneath me with trees at the distance yeah. um, looking over the valley. And it's just the best place ever and it's just right next to my my house and what's good about it is um i i kind of felt like the other day i was like oh man i'm gonna be here forever i'm gonna come <laughs> i'm gonna see these places for years and years to come yeah, so super excited. Yeah. yeah so i'll do a video awesome. for you guys to see i haven't shown you that place yet so i'll, I'll send you yeah. some shots yeah i'd love to see it and then i'll put the phone down but no i'm going, going to do some work from there oh, that sounds a like set. a perfect place Nice, huh? Yeah. I don't know if there's reception. Hopefully, there will be. Um, so, uh, update on what we've been doing. Um, Joe, do you want to talk about the Gold Coast? Sure. So, we went down to the Gold Coast uh, for the Go Vita conference and the expo down there. Um, and we had our, our book there on display and um, spoke as the keynote speakers for the Go Vita conference, and we really, really loved those people. weren't they amazing? Beautiful people. I think and if you have a Go Vita shop near you, go in and meet the owners because every single one that we spoke to was just lovely, and we just had so much fun meeting them all and hanging out and talking about what we do and um, sharing our passion for healing the world with food. Woohoo! <laughs> so well, they had their annual conference. 
all the shop owners come in to see any new products that are might be of interest to the clients, mm-hmm. the people who come into their shop. And we had our cookbook there as well. And um, we were invited to speak. But what I didn't know, I'm not sure if you knew, Joe, but I didn't know that we were doing the keynote speech. Yeah, I did. Well, but you were in okay. Lebanon when all this got organized, so you were a bit uh, okay. all over the place. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, all right, I was going to go do a talk. So it was the, the speech of the conference. Mm. And it was, it went so well, similar to what we talk about in the seminars that we do. But I found myself like uh, getting, getting really emotional because I was standing in front of a crowd of people who I knew were influencers yes. in their communities. And um, I knew I had to sort of make it really good and inspiring for them so that they know our message really clearly mm-hmm. and so that they can sort of bring it to, to their people if they felt inspired. So I, I felt deeply responsible for it, all the words that came out of my mouth. And mm-hmm. I found myself getting angry at, t- at one point about <laughs> margarine. <laughs> I was like, what is margarine? It's just a name for a bunch of chemicals put in a vat that they sell to us because we're silly enough to believe that it's food. And I was, you know, yes. it was just really, really funny. But, um, and, um, I channeled a bit of John Lennon right at the end. Uh, <laughs> and I said, um, you know, some people say that we're, we're a bunch of dreamers, but I can see we're not the only ones. So that, <laughs> that got them laughing, you know. I was waiting so was for you really to start singing. Too. Well, I can't do that, you know. I can't, like, people will figure out how good I am singing. Yeah, and, and, and it'll wreck you. I have to change my career. That's right. Yeah. No, we won't yeah, I can't, yeah, I can't show all my talents in one go. I'll, I'll leave it for a different life phase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just bit by bit. It's okay. just too much. Um, and uh, Joe, you did a great job talking about your story and articulating the the issues that happened at your home and how you were able to resolve them with food and all the trouble that happened with Isaac. Mm. And you know what, this is, uh, and I know, I know it's sort of a, um, a difficult time f- uh, for you because what's uh, in Joe's home at the moment, Isaac's getting a little bit, uh, obsessed with computers mm. and it's, it's one of that those age. things. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's that, <laughs> that age. Uh. age. And, and we've got a, we've got a common friend of ours, Emma Bowen, um, who speaks very, very vocally about her cancer trip. She mm-hmm. had cancer and she 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 went on that journey of healing and she got better. And she talks about every time that she wakes up and there's like a little stiffness or a lump somewhere. She goes, yeah. oh, my God, it's, it's back. And she she lives with that all yeah. her life. And it's a very, very difficult thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, for, it's the same for me and Joe as well. So, for instance, mm-hmm. when I get a little bit of eczema back, I'm like, oh, my God, is it, is it come back? And then I realize, no, no, this is just it's normal. My, my body isn't a hundred percent healed, but it's never going to go back to where it was before. And these are just emotions that just come with the healing journey. Yeah. And, um, this past uh, week or 10 days or so uh, since I've come back, I've been talking to Joe and she's been sort of, um, dealing with Isaac's computer thing, mm-hmm. which he, he just loves the computer. And I remember when I was his age, I, I was dealing with the same stuff. Like I, I loved it. I just couldn't get off it. Mm. It's, it's a very hyper-stimulating uh, machine. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially now with the internet on it, it just, it's very, yeah. very difficult. So, um, you know, it, it was such a, a, a great thing for us to be able to talk about and 
share the story with um, with the audience. In particular, knowing that our our lives and Joe's children, especially, they're getting over all those issues that they have, and they're having a normal life at the moment. <laughs> at the moment, uh, and uh, that it's okay to to let them have that life as well that it's okay for them to have a few normal obsessions about things like computers mm. and all that and we have to guide them through it and not always you know go back to the ocd realm of things yeah. and worry about and the that. fears that it's all starting again and because that's kind of where it started with isaac was computer games and then he went off that and went on to all the other obsessions so for me for him to love computer games scares me but yeah. um like he tell he he constantly reassures me that mum I don't like if an obsessive thought comes or the fears or anything come I know how to deal with them now I can cope with it but I'm a mum so I worry <laughs> beautiful and it's yeah. one of those things as well you know like we talk about health and healing with full transparency in our lives mm-hmm. so Joe and I are always um, very frank about it we like. I, I still talk about the chronic pain I live with and uh, my um, my weight, for instance, is something that fluctuates up and down within a, a very healthy range, but it's something that um, I, I continue to be co- conscious of and to, to work on and make sure that I don't exceed an unhealthy weight, even though I eat a very good diet. Mm. And it's something that we we have to stay on top of and we, yeah. we talk about transparently. So um, when these things come up, it's, it's just... Um, it's a difficult thing to talk about in public, but we mm. do that anyway yeah. because um, this is the commitment that we have to you guys, that we are transparent and we share with you the journey of health and healing that we go through both its ups and its downs. And that, just that, so that, yeah. And that, that, is, that is life. It it's, is life. It's life for all of us. It's never going to be a straight line up, you know, a straight diagonal. What do you call that? <laughs> it's uh, never yeah. gonna just be yeah. just be a continual up. There's always gonna Upward be ups trends. and downs. Yeah, yeah. And the general movement is up. Yes. For for all of us, and There'll I think it's bits. really really important <laughs> to talk about this because yeah. uh, if you're going through your health journey and you listen to us talking about all the amazing changes that have happened in our lives, which have happened, yes. But without hearing about the ongoing issues that we still continue to deal with. Uh, you might get a warped idea of what healing looks like mm. and it might discourage you from sticking to your healing journey. Yeah, and you, right. you think there's something wrong with me and I can't get any better and it seems to be like two steps forward, three steps back sometimes. And How come is. their life is perfect and mine isn't? Yeah. No, we don't want you yeah. to think that. <laughs> Definitely not. So yeah. um, this this is a, a, a big shout out to you coming up to the, the Christmas period crazily close to it now um this year has flown by um don't let those thoughts come in uh enjoy this time that that's coming up it's going to be a a good time if you allow it to be don't obsess too much about the food and all that enjoy the community this this is a really good time for community and your tribe and your people and socializing and all that it's gonna be a good opportunity to relax a little bit into that um don't don't obsess about everything as much as as you're doing now if you're thinking that you should be completely completely strict um do it with a bit of lightheartedness um follow your plan and your goals and stick to them but don't beat yourself up about it and, and accept 
Yeah, accept a little bit of flexibility, especially in this period. Yeah. There's always New Year's resolutions to be made. You know, we do them every year. <laughs> so, um, there, so, yeah. I don't know if you heard Marcus's podcast after the GoVita conference. Well, he did. No. He recorded it at the GoVita conference. It's only like 20 minutes or something. If you go onto Marcus Pierce um, Facebook page, you can find it or on the wellness couch. Um, and he just talks about, you know, the joy that it was to spend time together at the conference. So Fuad and I and Cindy O'Meara and Marcus just, we're just, you know, we just loved catching up and we just laughed and chatted and sat together at dinner and hung out and like I curled Cindy's hair for her and her and I had naps and we chatted and we just had so (laughs) much fun. And he was talking about the importance of that social interaction that um, studies are beginning to really show that, um, there's, I think he said there's three main things that, um, that benefit our health and it's not just food. It's also mm-hmm. food, but it's also the social community, um, being, having that really strong social life where you just feel loved and accepted and supported and you're part of a tribe. That's like way up there for health. And I think. What what happens, Joe, with that? Like, mm-hmm. if you let's look back at the Go Vita conference and being okay. with someone like Marcus Pierce and Cindy O'Meara, right? Yeah. Like, Cindy is massive. She she was the one who actually her book mm. made got, you got change your habits. Yeah, got you started on this mm. journey. Years and, ago. Um, years ago, right? Mm. Um, in the what early two thousands or something? Yeah, not sure. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. So there we were, just being. Uh, like none of us were being a brand or or someone with all these all the knowledge that we each individually have and all these things they weren't in the way of just having fun and uh, just being silly and enjoying ourselves so they, Marcus wasn't being Marcus Pierce Cindy mm. wasn't being Cindy from Changing Habits and yes. we weren't being these people from Quirky Cooking we're just enjoying ourselves just and just friends. being yeah. just being friends and normal mm-hmm. so um, whatever it is that you obsessively go on in your life, for instance, on the health journey, I know a bit of obsession is necessary. It's necessary yeah. to stay on top of your health, especially if you come from, from somewhere that is um, unhealthy and you, you try to change things around. It's important that you stick to your plans. Yeah. But you don't have to be the person who sticks to the plans in front of other people. Let that be something that you do on your own and you enjoy it even. Um, but just be yourself around other people, which means relax about who you are. Talk about things other than food and health. Yeah. Um, Don't um, bore all your friends and family <laughs> with your yeah ideas. Just enjoy it, and yeah. Um, you know, then when you you get back into these types of conversations with us on the podcast, you can geek out as much as you want, and <laughs> it'll fill fill your tank. Um, Joe, we'll uh, maybe introduce our. Um, our speaker on the podcast, our guest. Yes. Um, but before that, do you want to uh, introduce our sponsors a little bit? Sure. Well, um, shall I give you a bit of an update on how I'm going with the new Solid Technics pens? Oh, yeah, sure. So Solid Technics sent me three of their newest Ozion pens. So there's, uh, like I said last week, they're switching over from cast iron to the Ozion, um, which is the formed steel. Um, is that how you explain it? I think so. Yes. Um, and it's just, re- it's very much like cast iron, but a lighter version. 
and it's beautiful, um, makes beautiful pans. And so I've been seasoning the ones that they sent me. Um, I am a bit slow with it because I was away for a few days, but the the bigger skillet is, I think that's the one that I've got, or maybe it's 30-something centimetres skillet. It's beautiful. And so I've been using that and I posted some videos on Instagram of um, making scrambled eggs and I've only seasoned it one one and a half hours in the barbecue and I've done a couple of bakes in the oven just short when I was cooking other things and I've um, cooked like bacon in it on the stovetop and then I thought well I'm just gonna try it with eggs even though it's not completely seasoned and it didn't stick Um, so I was really happy with it Um, so I will finish seasoning it and get a video up Um, Oh, that's another bit of news. We're going to start working on getting a few more videos done for you guys because we know that that's very, very helpful for when you're trying to understand a recipe or a technique. Um, And so my my poor old quirky cooking channel is very old and very neglected and I actually went and deleted some videos because I just look awful (laughs) back in a few years ago. I was so skinny and I just thought, oh, I can't bear to watch myself. (laughs) So we're going to start that up again but um, get some good cooking videos on there and stuff and I'll probably put a video up on there um, showing seasoning the solid techniques pans because that's something we get a lot of questions about obviously we're not the experts solid techniques are so you can go to their website and watch their videos but you know sometimes it's nice to see it done simply just by another another person at home and how they do it so um those pans are beautiful so have a look at their new kickstarter so this, this is the pan that's been that's replaced the cast iron one yes. is it the, yeah. the skillet yep. is it as thick as the cast iron one no it's a little bit oh mm, no it's not it's a bit thinner but it's not like a a really thin stainless steel kind of pan it's it's sort of in between they say it's okay. half the weight of cast iron Okay, that's great. Yeah. So it's got a bit more heaviness to it than a normal pot you'd buy at the grocery store, you know, at the store. Um, Yes. But it's not as heavy as cast iron. Wonderful. But, yeah, I'm really – and they've got a Kickstarter for those. Um, So you can go and look at the videos and check that out on their Facebook and website. Um, And then we have special discount for any pens that you buy through our link. So we can give you 10% off if you buy through solid, uh, sorry, quirkycooking.com.au slash solid. And the code that you need to put in is 10QCP. So that's how you can get a bit of a discount on your pens. So get some for Christmas. Woo-hoo. This will also be in the show notes. Uh, you'll be able to, to access that uh, offer there. Mm-hmm. Um, we are also sponsored by Willida, which is a non-toxic uh, body product range uh, amazing amazing stuff I love Willita I, I put an order for like 20 things yesterday <laughs> that sorry, was Joe. after doing another 20 yeah. last month <laughs> that's okay don't I, say I can't, sorry I can't help this stuff I just I just it's love beautiful. it it's just so nice yeah. and um, we we usually worry about what goes in our body products because um, just like you have junk food in the supermarket, you're going to have junk body products in the supermarket. Mm. It's just the same thing. They're going to cut the same corners, probably even worse, because they don't have the same thing that they have to disclose like they do in food regulations. So 
they can put stuff in there that is just horrifically bad for you. But just because it hasn't been listed as you know a toxin um, by um, the government, they can just put it in there and it'll give them you know bulk and it'll give them uh, all sorts of things like um, feel and uh, foaming and mm. uh, preservatives fluff. and <laughs> fluff and, and fake you know, smells that make me choke. Um, you'll have stuff that sticks on your skin to allow the mm. odors to stay on. You know, like when you have someone who puts a perfume on, and you know they put it on six weeks ago and still there. It's because they had it. You has, walk past it in the shops and choke. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's like a glue that sticks to your skin and it, it clogs your pores and it's horrible for you. Silicone in is, the hair products. My God, like all all sorts of things which like gets those, on your skin. Um. Those plastic beads that they put in there that mm. they tell you are good for exfoliating is plastic. This Shocking. is plastic that they, they just put in there. And do you see that thing about... It's so bad for you in the environment. Do you see that, that thing on Facebook about shellfish? They're finding yeah. the plastic in shellfish now? That's right. Yeah, the, it's very sad. We, there's, there's what, what, did, what did we have? One, half a kilo or a kilo of plastic in us? In us, yeah, when, by the time you're old. Something like that, mm. uh, because all the plastics that we drink from and eat from and put on our bodies, it, it's just crazy. Like this stuff, when we put it in the water supply, it goes out to the ocean. Um, things like medication even, mm. uh, I'll, I'll sort of go off tangent about body products here, but um, there's like the pill is causing a lot of fish to not be able to reproduce, oh, wow. for instance. Um, antibiotics and statins are making it into the oceans as well. Yeah. So, so this is a really big problem. We've, we need to be very, very careful about what goes in. Um, mm. Things like chemotherapy residue as well. Um, so, we need to grow up as people mm. as how we as to how we deal with these things, not just flush stuff into the environment, thinking that yeah, it'll just it'll be clean okay. it, clean it out, out and, of sight, out of mind. Yeah, mm. and and it's the same stuff about what we put on our skin and yeah. on our hair and brush our teeth with, and if it's if it's gonna be terrible stuff, like I'm, we put it on because our body uses it in some way or another. Like when you put on a moisturizer, it actually adds moisture into your cells. Mm. That's what it does. So that means your cells are chemically altered by what you're putting on your skin. So if you're putting something that's toxic and poisonous for you, it's gonna cause you sickness and this this is why we love we need them because we just trust what they've got in there we put it on our skin and it's like having a good meal as far as i'm concerned (laughs) you know this is all like organic biodynamic or wild crafted plants that they use really beautiful stuff um highly recommend that you check them out um I get a, all sorts of um, body lotions from them. I, I really, I'm loving the sea buckthorn body lotion at the moment. And Lainey, my wife, well, she loves the sea buckthorn uh, perfume. Mm, I have um, seen that one. Yeah, I think she um, she tried it at our friends. Um, a friend of ours uh, loves it, and mm. she tried, she's like, I want some of that, so I got, I'm getting her some of that as oh, well. Um, more of that. You know what? I didn't actually realize they had perfume. Yeah, there you go. They've got, they've got, I'll tell you what they've got. They've got um, pomegranate Mm. and they've got rose and they've got sea buckthorn. I am going to get my mum some rose perfume for for Christmas because she loves rose. Yeah, their rose range is incredible. Hopefully she's not listening to this. (laughs) So um, 
check them out, support them. Amazing company. Uh, we're giving you a 10% off your order. So you can use the coupon code quirkyjourney at wuli.com.au. So you don't pay for shipping if your order is over $90 and it's 10% off your order. They do have that as a standard offer for your first purchase. But if this is a repeat purchase, you can continue to use Quirky Journey as uh, a coupon. And um, if you do purchase that um, using the coupon, it goes to show them that you guys are actually listening to the podcast and uh, it's valuable for them to continue to advertise their product with us. So please go ahead and support them. And that way you will be supporting us too. Um, now we'll move on to the show's guest. Mm-hmm. Damien Christoph is a chiropractor and naturopath, and he is one of the founders of the Wellness Couch. Um, amazing guy. Mm. Um, we I've been listening to uh, his podcast uh, for years. Uh, when I started on this health journey, he he was probably um, the only Australian podcast I was listening to. Wow. That was. Yeah. So was, um, he, was he on his own or you mean with the wellness guys? With, with the wellness guys. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So the wellness guys podcast. So um, th- it was fantastic to see that there was a movement here that's going on and it's amazing to see where they've taken it. Like the wellness mm. couch uh, had the wellness summit, which uh, last year had a thousand people come in over a two day period. And it was a massive, massive festival of wellness and health. And we loved it. We, we mm, spoke there. So much fun. And uh Damien is one of those people that um, I really love listening to his opinions, his ideas about health. He comes at it from a very different perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, Joe, you've had a a long-standing relationship with Damien Mm -hmm. as well. Yep. Um, So they, the wellness guys got me on their podcast. Goodness, must be almost four years ago. And, um, it's so funny, actually, the way this podcast started. Um, Brett Hill um, sent me a message about the podcast, and I thought I read it wrong. I must have been in a rush, as usual. And I thought he asked me, "Did I? What about a podcast for me, like to start one?" But he'd been asking something about their podcast and having me on. And and I said, "Oh." I hadn't really thought about it. But, yeah, that's a good idea. I'd love to do a podcast. And he wrote back and said, oh, that wasn't what I was asking, but that's a great idea. Yes, let's do it. You do a podcast. <laughs> and so that's oh, how this wow. one started from. It was oh, a, a, a mistake. In, mistake. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good mistake. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they interviewed me and then um, they got me down to uh, the Wellness Summit in 2014. And um, was that the first one I went to? I think it was. Um, but I felt like I already knew them all by then because we'd done a fair few podcasts on the different um, podcasts on the wellness couch by then. So, yeah, um, and I just love the way that Damien um, comes across and the way he explains things. He's so – he's very humble and um, gentle in the way he speaks, but he has so much knowledge and he just shares it in a beautiful way, I find, and he's very – easy to listen to yes he's he's intelligent yeah which is you know not something that can be said about everyone within you know the the health sphere (laughs) um and he's very clear about his message yeah which i really like i like clarity in message i like simplicity and clarity because the more you um make things difficult to understand you're going to lose people's attention and they won't be able to make the changes so we we get an opportunity to um affect people 
in a very short period of time. So either you get them or you don't. And uh, clarity is really, really important. So if, you, if you're not clear, then you're losing an opportunity of saving someone's life potentially, you know, in the long term. Now we're not, you know, this is, this is how we look at it. We look at it as, as in this is definitely a life-changing message that we have and we need to be able to articulate correctly. And he does a great job yeah. with that as well. So on today's podcast, we talk about health and healing and uh, what that really is. We talk about chiropractics and natu- naturopathy and a lot of things, but also we get on to topic which a lot of people have been asking about and talking about since I came back from um, my overseas trip, my Facebook feed and uh, my email uh, has I've received a lot of messages about the changing the changes that are happening regarding uh, private health care and, and the insurance uh, aspect for natural health care. So um, um, we get into this topic in particular and we get a really interesting perspective from Damien about this, which is not your standard Oh, uh, you know, the government's out to get us mm. and we, um, you know, they're trying to destroy natural health care. No, it's a very different perspective, which I really, really enjoyed uh, hearing. Mm. It's a very balanced perspective and it puts the onus back on us to take action and tell you how to do that mm. as well with some links in the show notes on how to take action to make things better yeah. for this situation. So, um Joe, do you want to say anything before we move yeah, on I to just our gonna say, I'm just going to say one more thing about Damien. So I stayed at their place when I was down there once in Melbourne and they're just a gorgeous family. Taught his son how to make chocolate, which he was very thankful for. Taught mm-hmm. Damien how to make um, eggs poached in broth with kale and veggies. And so that's like his go-to breakfast now. He loves it. And um, when, when I was leaving, I had my own bathroom upstairs and um, there was all, you know, the mist on the mirror. So I wrote, Quirky was here. and they kept it there for ages like they didn't rub clean the mirror and they said we can't rub it off (laughs) but we had a good Uh, you've never done that here when you've come visited my family i'm on my best behavior at your place because you know laney's so sweet i don't want to you know mess up her mirror (laughs) you're making her sound precious now no she wouldn't care at all okay next time i promise i'll do it the girls would love it. Because well. I don't want you, you to should feel draw, left out. draw a picture. <laughs> I'll draw a picture. <laughs> All right, guys. So uh, we hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, if you like it, give us a, a five star rating on iTunes. Just head on to iTunes and just click that button. The more people know about us and how good this show is, the the more we can reach. And um, that would be amazing if we get to reach more people. Oh, and. Uh, so a little bit of news about the podcast. We're gonna try to make it weekly now. We're gonna Ooh! add Are you an episode. Tell us I am. <laughs> Who are, are asking me or them? Them. Okay. I'm just saying, are you excited? But are you uh, excited too? Uh, I, they, they were just silent, so I don't think they were. <laughs> well, you're <laughs> excited, care. right? And I'm I, excited. I'm excited so because I think, like this podcast, we started it off, um, you know, you started it off to mm-hmm. document your health journey and yeah. it's just become something completely unexpected for us it's it's a really great medium and we get to catch up and talk about stuff in it and also we get so many people who say oh we love listening to your podcast and we play it in the car and when we're cleaning the house and when we're jogging (laughs) so we're really glad that we can keep you guys company and we know that sometimes we just talk a bit too much and uh, maybe (laughs) we should you know cut it a bit short but Hey, what else have you got? 
you know, to listen to it. Enjoy it. Enjoy our company and, you know, send us a message. We'd love to hear from you too. We really if, would. If, so uh, send us an email to help at quirkycooking.com.au if you've got any suggestions for guests or if you've got any feedback or some success stories that you've had from listening yeah. to the podcast. We really love uh, hearing from you guys. We get some great emails and we always um, send them to each other and squeal over them. Well, I squeal. Yeah. So I just yeah. smile. <laughs> well, I, you I'm say not a yay. Yeah, yeah. I like I I I've never used, you know, I've never gotten used to squealing. It's just it's maybe it's a cultural thing, yeah, maybe, maybe it's a masculine a guy thing. thing. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but, but you know, some it's just so exciting when you get an email from someone saying how much um your recipes or your podcasts have helped and um how thankful they are and it's just really lovely. So we had a. I don't know if we mentioned this on the last podcast now because you know we, I think we we're doing this every week. The... But did did you mention last time about the email we got about the lady who sent us an email? She said that for uh, the first time in her seven years of li- of life, her daughter has had a regular bowel movement because she's been eating stuff out of the cookbook. The cookbook. I think we might have mentioned it, but it's huh. yeah, it's just. Mention that it again. It's just made us really realize how much. I mean, we already knew how powerful food is, but wow. <laughs> we, like, it's amazing. It's amazing that, you know, for the first time, for the first time, seven years. Mm. How beautiful is that to be able to, to help someone like that? And, mm. and anyway, thank you guys for supporting us as usual, for purchasing our cookbook, for um, sharing the show for reading the blog, for following us on Facebook and interacting with us on Facebook and being part of the chat group and being part of the online gut health program and all that kind of stuff. It's really amazing for us that two people who, um, through their own sickness, have been able to reach so many people and to be able to help you in your own health journey. It's amazing to us. And we feel very, very grateful. And we have the best job in the world. So, Joe... um, I'm going to stop being nice to you now. And I'm <laughs> going to say, to can you just, yeah, can you just <laughs> stop talking too much and uh, can we just hey. move on to the show? <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Chat to you soon. Bye. A great big welcome to our good friend, Damien. Hi, Damien. Hey, Joe. Hey, Fuad. Thanks yeah, for having hey, me. So good to oh, It's a pleasure. It's, it's long voice. overdue for us. Yeah. Hey. Haven't caught up for ages because we had no wellness summit actually, this year. <laughs> I know. Well, I was actually, I actually had resigned the, to the idea that maybe I'd never be invited to be on your podcast. <laughs> oh, like, you I should have invited thought, yourself. Well, we would have you know, said, sure. <laughs> I'm actually obviously not one of the cool kids. I know. We just uh, I wasn't think going of you as, on the weekend. No, you we just think of you as too cool, cool for us. Kids. See, you're just like so in demand. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> not at all <laughs> that's a nice way to flip it around joe well done that was clever oh, uh, yeah no it, looks it, so it is that way Demo. like it i, I actually so used to listen to you years ago on yeah. uh, the wellness couch and you know when i was still a software engineer so whenever i approach you like you know there's a bit of trembling and anxiety when i talk to you when i was first <laughs> invited to speak at the wellness summit that was in 2014 and i told Fuad, i said oh i've been invited to speak at this and i hadn't really heard of you guys so i wasn't into podcasts back then and for what's like oh yep. yeah yeah i listen to them and i'm like oh okay <laughs> so there you go <laughs> there you go there you go hey that was my oh, introduction it's, it's to podcasts with you guys ah oh, here we are right i know here so we far. are look at us <laughs> mm. oh, 
<laughs> taking on the world, trying to help out people and try to help educate people, which is a really important thing. You know, yes. obviously there's lots of education out there and people can do a Google search on pretty much anything these days. But to get real people talking about real stuff and real events, I think is um, is is very powerful. And so you know, it's nice that you guys are doing what you're doing. I think it's excellent. It's funny you should say that. Uh, I had a comment on Facebook um, a couple of days ago from a guy who obviously doesn't know us at all. And he said, why do you call your book Life-Changing Food? He said, I can do a Google search on anything and find out what I want to know. Why is your book so special and why do you think you've got the answers and blah, blah, blah. And I I just wrote back and sent him links to a couple of different of our podcasts um, with Fuad's story and Isaac's story. And I said, have a listen to these. This is why we think, you know, this is why we called our book Life-Changing Food. Um, But, yeah, he thought, you know, that was a bit presumptuous, I guess. But, you know, it has changed our lives. It's been amazing. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Well, food has and the understanding of what food does and obviously you using GAPS and going so well into GAPS. But yeah. uh, even in the early days, Joe, when it was all just quirky mm. um, and, um, and and you were you know, using Thermix and, yeah. and that was kind of the basis for, for which you created your profile, yeah. um, that was groundbreaking back then because who knew you could actually have allergy-free or allergy-friendly yeah. or you yeah. know, these sorts of foods and so easily and so beautifully with your Thermomix recipes and your recipe books, all that sort of thing. It was, um, it was re- I think that's the reason why um, – I think you're one of the reasons why people actually feel comfortable doing amazing things and different things with food and experimenting, Joe. Oh, so it's, you, you created the revolution. <laughs> and they all, whenever I go somewhere with Joe, um, there's someone like sort of sitting on the sides and uh, just looking at Joe and I see them in the corner of my eye. <laughs> I know like what's going to happen. And they're like, they'll be sort of taking a step forward, taking a step back and they'll be like, I'm like all right, it's going to be like at least one minute before that person builds up the courage and goes up to Joe. And then, and then they go to Joe like, Joe, you don't know me, but oh my God, I've been following you from. You saved my life. <laughs> yes. You'll never know what you've done. I can't thank you enough. <laughs> it's so sweet. And, yeah, and, and you know, they, they say that Joe's entered their home and they feel like they're part, she's part of their family and she's <laughs> taught them how to eat. And, you know, what a powerful thing to, to actually teach a, a family. Aww. So, and you now, know, she's been doing this for so long. And now we get the comments of, oh, my goodness, I can't believe I'm seeing both of you in the flesh because I hear you in my earphones every day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, take you to the streets. Really great, really great. Now, well done, you guys. You're doing an amazing job. It's really fabulous. Um, Damo, Joe and I were talking about bringing you on the show because um, we feel like um, your specific background and – I'll ask you to to talk about that in a little bit, but you have a very interesting background in your education and also the way you articulate things and your clinical experience, you bring a lot of clarity to this topic. You're not just a health practitioner who's gone to university and learned what they need to learn and then they've kept going with their life and, you know, they're outdated exactly. with the science. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're, yeah. You're, you're all in and mm. um, the clarity that you bring to your topic and your perspective uh, is something that we want to bring to the people who are on this health journey because we feel that if pe- people aren't standing on a solid foundation, they're going to be swaying with a lot of popular opinion or popular science that's going to flip its mind every you know, f- you know, couple of hours sometimes. Mm. So, yeah, that's right. Um, you know, can you please uh, give us a little bit of background about yourself and how, how you got started and, and your variety of education that you have and where you're at with your practice at the moment. 
Yeah, thanks, Foo. Yeah, look, I, I my background is quite – it's an unusual one because, um, you know, quite often people find their way into health because they're unwell, and that was obviously the, the same reason why I found my way into health, but I originally wanted to be an account – actually, I wanted to be a vet. That's oh. really what I wanted to be. Yeah, yeah I wanted to be a vet. Yeah, and I had a cat, and her name was Puss Puss, and, uh, <laughs> and she was just this beautiful little, Original. you know, tabby thing. <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> My first cat was uh, Satchmo, and uh, and so she was this beautiful black cat. We named her after Louis Armstrong, yeah, yeah. and um, and my next door neighbour threw her against a fence, and she oh, died. Oh, and that's uh, It was the most terrible thing, and so I wow. was hesitant to get a cat, and I felt, you know, like I want to be able to, you know, help animals out, and so I had budgies, and I had um, cats, and I had, you know, he, and anyway, so my cat got hit by a car. Um, when she was about 12 years old and I went to the vet and she meowed and I fainted. <laughs> so I realized oh. that I probably shouldn't be a vet anymore, right? So I thought, well, I won't be a vet. Um, I'll, uh, I'll I did nearly the same thing and I was <laughs> Really? <laughs> I was going to be a vet it, you know. <laughs> Sometimes it's just the smallest little things that change your direction. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I wasn't very disciplined at school. I got accepted into a university that kind of had to take me and and I went to this university and studied accounting, did two and a half years of first year accounting and lived a really poor um, student existence. I lived off my OS study. Uh, most of my OS study money went to drinking beer um, and there were $2 pots in those days and I got $134 a fortnight. So I, uh, I wasted a lot of money. I think my rent was $25 a week. So it wasn't, you know, I wasn't, it wasn't bad, but I just didn't eat very well. And um, eventually I got unwell and Mum said, Damien, you go see my naturopath. And so I went and saw this naturopath and he helped me get better. And, and I was obviously really struggling at accounting and, um, and I got better doing this naturopathy thing and I was quite fascinated by it. And I thought, well, surely everyone's going to want to do what I've just done because it works. Um, I'll go study to be a naturopath, not realizing that it was fringe or um, <laughs> contentious or anything like that. I actually didn't really know what a naturopath did. I actually had someone come up to me and say, oh, you are studying to be a naturopath. I said, yeah, she is. Oh, my friend started to be a homeopath. How cool is that? I go, yeah, that's really cool. She goes, they're pretty much the same. Like they said, nah, nah, they're totally different, you know. And I, I didn't even know that homeopathy and naturopathy would work together. And then, you know, I think maybe a year later I was studying homeopathy. And so I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Um, anyway, got through that, graduated with honors in herbal medicine and um, – and thought this is kind of a cool way to help people out yeah. and went and practiced in a in a valley called the Latrobe Valley in Victoria, very polluted environment, um, lots of very, very sick people. And, um, and I learned a lot about poor health and, um, and the way in which people were kind of mismanaged. And, but, you know, not because of, of the doctors, but because of the system. The system was poor. The doctors really wanted to see people get well, but the system was just set up for failure. And, um, you know, when you go direct to consumer drug advertising and people expecting that um, that all of their symptoms can be cured just by taking a pill and that the illness will disappear if they, you know, take a drug, um, that system's flawed. So I, I became a little bit disenchanted pretty quickly and I realized that the healthiest people that I saw saw a chiropractor and I thought, well, maybe there's something in this chiropractic thing. And so I spoke to this guy, his name is Gary Coleman, and Gary said to me, yeah, Damien, health is all about the nervous system and the health of the nervous system is determined by the health of the spine. And so I went on to understand more about that and study to be a chiropractor. And so I blended two philosophies, those naturopathy and chiropractic philosophies to kind of understand how nature works and how the human body works. Because as much as we like to think that humans are better than nature, really we are part of nature. 
and um, and and we need to live in a symbiotic relationship with nature uh, and with ourselves and our environment inside our bodies as important as the environment outside of our bodies and and so I've I've you know pretty much spent the last twenty years trying to communicate that message hmm. um, and learn more about that that information and how. Uh, we can help humans get healthy without uh, pharmaceutical, drug-based, or surgical intervention. Mm. Wow! And um, has it worked? <laughs> no. I'm trying so hard. It's one of those things, you know. Like at the moment, we're faced with some very interesting political times and uncertainty mm. in around natural health, and um, and you know, for for what it's worth, some of some of what's going on, you know, were warned about a long time ago, and some of what's going on is, you know, quite a, a big reaction to, um, I, I suppose, a smaller problem. Um, but there's a bigger problem out there, and that is that more and more money gets put towards drugs and surgeries um, and experimental therapies that are very dangerous, mm-hmm. and not a lot of money gets directed towards um, relatively safe therapies with high uh, patient satisfaction um, and um, and high utilization. So it's um, it's a bit of a worry. And in Australia, we've got a, a mentality of what's right or wrong or what's good or bad or what's, um, you know, what's black or white. It's the, the challenge that we face in Australia is that we, we polarize people and our media does a really good job of polarizing people and our mm. politicians polarize people and, and opinions then become very polar. And, and because of that, there's no opportunity for a meaningful discussion. And that means that you're either right or you're wrong, and if you're wrong, then you're outcast. If yeah. you're right, then you're part of a majority, and and it means that we can only really move in one direction, and and that's a very narrow-minded um, view and scope, mm. and it's very it's very worrying with where we are in health. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to get into that point um, further down the track. I don't want to talk about the scene in Australia and what's going on with the political. Um, uh, platform at the moment uh, right away um, I, I want to keep that sort of t- till the end because I want to get your perspective on health first of all so that when we talk about what's going on in the political world we can tie it back to, to your view as well um, just to lay that foundation and sure, I, I think um, I mean part of the reason why uh, Joe and I wanted you to come on the show today is to talk in uh, about the political aspects of what's going on. Because since I have come back from overseas, um, my Facebook feed has been just flooded with all these people saying, talking about natural health therapies being under danger and all that. And I'm getting email petitions. And I'm sure our listeners are very, very interested in that. But mm. I want to get your, your view and based on your clinical practice and all the history and education that you've done, maybe we can just start by defining your perspective of health. Like, where are you at with that? Because I know it's an ever-changing definition. You're ever-deepening your knowledge and your perspective with every every patient that you meet. Give us a a little bit of your wisdom there, Damon. (laughs) Thanks, Phil. So um, I I think it's taken a lot of uh, twists and turns. And um, there's different, I suppose there's different ways in which you can practice as a, as a therapist or as a practitioner and and the model that's very common in Australia is that of what's called allopathy um, and allopathy is the uh, treatment of disease um, with the expectation that the way in which you treat the disease is from the outside in and so the, the benefit um, or the therapy is applied to the body um, and then the body responds and heals from the outside in. 
um, and then from uh, the gastrointestinal system up and uh, so from below to above. And that in itself um, is, is what we would call a reductionistic Mm. Um, approach to health and healing in that there's something faulty in the body and it needs to be fixed um, or there's something deficient in the body and uh, and the body's now faulty and so that in itself means that the way in which we approach it is that the body it doesn't have the intelligence to actually heal itself it needs something or somebody from outside of the body to fix it And for me, um, I've practiced in that sort of model for a long time. I used um, herbs and vitamins and supplements and um, and a lot of things to impact the way in which the body would heal. Now, I'm not saying that part of that isn't true and correct because we do know that when you put the right food into the body, then it can heal itself. We do know that if there's deficiency in the, in the body, if you can top up from a nutrient perspective, you can um, get rid of those deficiencies or insufficiencies, and then the body can go about doing what it's meant to do. Mm-hmm. But really, the control of all of that actually takes place in the nervous system. So essentially, healing has to take place first in the brain, and then it moves its way down through the spinal cord and then out to the organs. The organs can't heal themselves without instruction from the brain or the nervous system. So it's not mm. actually possible. It's not humanly possible. Um, the bacteria in the gastrointestinal system, or what we call the microbiome, they can assist in the healing of the gut, but left untended, um, the gastrointestinal system will become very, very permeable. And so the brain controls essentially the permeability of the gastrointestinal system based on the environment of the gut. And so the nervous system, again, controls all of that and uh, and so healing comes from above down and then what's also really important to understand is that yes we can put things into the body to assist the body to heal but really healing occurs from the inside out so if we've got um, a skin affliction for example it's not that the skin's faulty it's that there's something that's not right inside the body that needs attention and then the skin will heal over time Um, but that's because the direction of healing is from above in, in other words, the brain, down through the spinal cord, inside, so in around the organs, to the outside, to the skin. And uh, and that's the priority of the body in terms of its healing. Mm. So it's way more important for the brain to keep the heart pumping than to fix a cut on the toe. Mm. Um, or it's way more important for the body to manage inflammation or autoimmunity in around the gastrointestinal system than to worry about um, a, stuck, a stuck or a sore joint from rheumatoid arthritis or eczema um, in the folds of your arm. So there's a, a level of hierarchy or importance, and um, and it's good to get that direction right. And then moving from a reductionist or an allopathic viewpoint um, of where you want to throw things in because bits are broken, um, I believe that the body has an intelligence that allows it to heal uh, for as long as it's alive. So for as long as you are alive, your body can heal, and it's important to respect that. So what is it that we need to have that heals the body? And that is obviously the right nutrition, the right mindset. You know, a dirty mindset is not going to actually help you heal. Um, the right environment, I think it's really important to, you know, be surrounded by people and things and an environment that allows the body to heal um, and live because the body always wants to live like it doesn't want to die that's why it just keeps on going and going and going until one day it gives up um, because it's had enough or it can't do anymore Um, the body's intention is to keep you alive so you just got to provide that right environment for that to take place and so yes food's important but that's part of altering the environment inside the body and then everything around you is your environment that helps you live and and for me having done 100 not out with marcus over the last nearly six years Mm. Um, it's become very evident to me that the environment that we need to 
um, adjust the most is the environment that we have with our friends and our family. Mm. And, uh, and that, you know, that is if we're wanting to live a long time. Some people don't want to live a long time. They just want to live, you know, a good time. Some people want to live symptom-free. And if they happen to live a long time, that's a bonus. Um, but for longevity, it appears that, you know, to be healthy, it really requires um, some habits. And those habits revolve around community, engagement, and purpose, um, and movement. Um, and then food and, and other bits and pieces kind of come into that, but um, there's other important things. That's good. Um, what's your view on, um, like when you we look at healing the individual, because this is something I think about a lot, and um, over the years I've been thinking about this idea of we treat a symptom or an illness and then something else pops up in a, in a person. Let's say like you treat their eczema and then later on like their kidneys fail or, you know, they have something with the depression or whatever it is. And then I try to extrapolate that out into the societal level. So I look at us dealing with individuals and healing individuals and we go, oh, well, the individual is sick, so let's heal that individual, which is sort of like a more holistic approach trying to, as you were saying, dealing with the human being as an individual, healing them from the inside out. But we're still in a system that's creating sick individuals. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it's, it's like trying to address the, the big toe when the arm's falling off or something mm -hmm. like that. And this, this continues to happen for us. So where do you see um, your role as a practitioner or someone uh, who is a leader in the health world? What steps do you take to sort of raise awareness to the greater society and make change at a societal level so that this kind of environment that creates sickness isn't there? Uh, it's, that's a, such a, a great question, Fui. And But what's interesting is that um, the political component of that education is very skewed in a, in a direction that makes it very, very challenging for people to actually even conceive that that's possible. Yeah. It's difficult for people still to see that their hand is connected to their heart and that their little toe is connected to their brain. Like it's really mm -hmm. hard for people to see the interconnectedness of everything. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and the reason is because we've the, our system is set up with specialists. And so you've got a heart specialist or a lung specialist or a immunologist or a um, epidemiologist or endocrinologist or cardiologist or whatever. So you've got all these you know, specialties that focus only on one thing. And the, the smarter and smarter these guys get, the less and less they know about everything else. Mm. So they they focus so much on one thing. So you might, yes, be trying to fix up the skin and you've found a, a novel way to decrease inflammation on the skin to get rid of eczema. So you give a drug to actually manage that, but that has a downstream effect on the kidney function, for example, or a downstream effect on bacterial function, the gut, which obviously then makes things even far worse. Yes. Um, but that's, you know, looking at the some of the parts being better than the whole, uh, whereas most people would agree that the sum of the parts doesn't equal the whole. And it, it's we try to work out how do we make the body as, as healthy as we possibly can via altering the environment rather than actually just looking at the problem. Um, with with the, uh, the this worry that we have about sickness, um, when people are now trying to avoid to being sick, like healing is a natural mechanism in the body. Should we be scared of it or is it something that should take place? Should we become sick? Because you hear a lot about this kind of bragging thing in the natural health world where people say, I haven't been sick for eight years or something like that. Yeah. And um, I get sick, you know, every once in a while. I, I'm not uh, ashamed to say it. You know, my, <laughs> my health journey is, is an up and down kind of thing. What, what yeah. do you think of uh, illness and uh, what's your perspective on it? Is it something to be scared of? And what attitudes should we have about it? 
Again, oh, this is these are great questions. I, I don't know if you ask everybody these same questions, but these are no, excellent he's questions. Just, he's just amazing at winkling things out of people. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a great question because I it's I'm very passionate about seeing people express health, and uh, and the expression of health is essentially a, the signal that you're responding to what what's happening in your environment. So. Part of that is is actually having symptoms. So if mm-hmm. you're in an environment and everyone around you is, you know, breathing in a virus and then they express some kind of symptomatology, if you don't have even the slightest sniffle, then you kind of got to wonder whether or not you're actually really protected or not because mm-hmm. the, the symptoms that you express are the expression of the body healing itself or protecting itself. So... Are you actually well protected, or are you not very well protected? You know what's what's actually going on there. Are you um, are you actually just getting flooded with viruses and bacteria that are kind of doing having their own way with you, and you're not actually mounting an, an immune response? Oh, I yeah. I find it fascinating that people um, can often say that I haven't been sick for years and years. Or oh, they you hear this, oh, this really fit guy, he was never sick, he was really fit, you know, as a cyclist, and then one day he's playing tennis and he died on the tennis court. He was, you know, 42 years old. We kind of go, well, was he sick or was he really healthy? And mm. the reality is, is that if his heart didn't work properly, then there was something not right. Now, was he expressing symptoms? No. Um, was he showing signs of debilitation? No. But did he ever express any signs of health? And the reality was, well, he had energy, so we would presume that he was well, but maybe he wasn't that healthy. So um, I, I like to see that people get a cold. I think it's good. Um, yeah, I really I- like to see that sometimes people come down, they, they actually – get struck by something and have to cough it up a little bit. But you don't want it to last for too long. Yeah. I think the, the ability to have symptoms and then get over it yeah. is the, the signal that the body's strong. That's the difference I've seen in my health. Um, like I'll still get a cold now and then, but I'm over it so quickly compared to what used to happen. I'd always end up with a chest infection. Um, but I find it interesting where, you know, some people do have, um, they seem to have a suppressed immune system and, they, and they're like, oh, I'm so healthy, I never get sick and they eat rubbish and they don't live a great lifestyle and you think, how can that be? <laughs> so that's interesting. Uh, 100%. Yeah, it's, really, it's a really fascinating thing, isn't it? You see people you know, having junk food and, mm. um, and, and they don't express symptoms um, and yeah. it, does, it, does, um, it does strike me as you know, quite unusual but there's uh, really interesting you know, things to consider there. Um, you know, there's. I read of a study yesterday um, in terms of morbidity. People who get sick more often, you're more likely to have a a, a chronic disease like heart disease um, or diabetes if you are of normal weight and oh. inactive than if you're obese and active. Wow. So if you're obese and active you're less likely to have cardiovascular disease and diabetes than if you're of normal weight and inactive. And so there's, you know, really fascinating, you know, information that comes out of that because you, it, it's easy for us to think that all of our problems come back to what we put in our mouth. But mm. there's, there's a whole host of other things that actually are linked to it. And, of course, movement's part of that. Yeah. Um, Damien, you shared a story with me the other day about <laughs> your mate with, uh, with a child who was coughing. Uh, yes. Would you mind? Would you mind sharing that with our listeners, please? 
Oh, what was the story? Was it uh, the person who who was coughing and then got adjusted, or no, 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 the the one who thought that their daughter was uh, had hooping. Oh, cough. yes, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's right. One of my great mates, you know, and this is the this is the predicament that we're in in Australia at the moment. There's so much fear around it. Inter- oh, really interesting. Um, was a study that came out the other day from the UK. And they said that um, maternal uh, vaccination with whooping cough um, offered um, good good um, protection for the for the baby, but that the um, blanket vaccination of visitors to see the baby once it was born against whooping cough offered no further benefit. And so I thought that was a really interesting thing. But the reason why I found that so interesting, and the only reason why I bring that up, even though I'm not, um, I suppose I'm, I'm certainly not qualified to comment on that. I'm not, you know, saying anything that people should or shouldn't do anything in that regard. But the reason why I'm saying that is that there's so much fear around um, whooping cough, for example, in mm. Australia, that even the slightest cough, people can think the worst. And so, I, I know Joe and Fuad, when you were little kids, and even with your own children, you would have seen them have coughs and colds and gone, sure. you, you have. You had a cough and a cold, you know, yeah. you've got a cough. So be it, you know. Um, but I had a mate of mine who's a very educated um, health professional and he called me the other day and said, you know, I'm concerned because my daughter's got a cough. And I said, okay, you know, is it a cough? He said, yeah, yeah, it's a cough. But cough to the extent that uh, the baby vomited. And I said, okay, well, that's good, you know, better out than in, you know, get mm-hmm. the mucus out and, um, and, and that's a good thing. He goes, yeah, but what if it's whooping cough? <laughs> and I said, well, what if it is whooping cough? He said, well, you know, it's, it, it could be whooping cough and my baby might die. And uh, and so for me, it was this massive, enormous uh, leap where this person had gone mm. from baby with a cough to the worst possible um, oh, yeah. outcome, which yeah. is death. And, and that there is the fault of what we call health scare mm. um, as opposed to health care yes. and, uh, and people, you know, banging on about things that are the – the, the worst possible scenario. And, of course, you'd hate for it to be whooping cold. However, my understanding is that we're now um, six days on from that, that phone call and that cough is now gone. So it was definitely not whooping cough. Mm. It was just a normal response by the body to get rid of something that was inside the body that wasn't meant to be inside the body, and that was a cough, and now it's resolved itself and here we are in a really good place. But um, the fear around um, what a cough could be is much the same as the fear around what a rash might be mm. or the fear around um, what another symptom could be is has been perpetuated by this pharmaceutical juggernaut that makes people think that the only thing that can fix them is something from the outside rather than the power that made the body healing the body. Mm. So it's uh, it's given no credence to the amazingness of the body, the fact that two cells come together, a sperm and an egg come together, and then all of a sudden the human body comes out nine months later and it continues to grow. It does really, really well, and without intervention, it can blossom and do amazing things. And the more intervention this body gets, the more things go wrong. Mm. It basically has got to leave it alone. Um, but there's this fear that the body can't do much, that it's weak and that it's fragile and it needs doctors yeah. and it needs surgery drugs um, but that's not the case mm. well, we, we worry a lot about our kids like uh, if yeah. our children have a fever we don't know what to do and there's no education around that like uh, most people immediately want to break the fever for the child and they start throwing baby panadol at them and um, trying to break it but from my perspective like i don't think of healing as an anomaly i mean the body uh, goes through the healing process because it expects to be injured it expects 
invaders. So it's part of the balance in life to actually be sick and to heal. Can you talk to us a little bit about the body's capacity for healing and uh, where do we intervene and where do we sort of allow it to take uh, take, take shape? Yeah, sure. Well, it's actually designed, the body is well designed to, you know, to fight off invaders and there's different parts of the immune system that allow that to happen and there's responses that we know of called the inflammatory response. And then based on what actually comes into the body or what actually happens to the body, the incredible um, wisdom of the body, which it never had to learn, there's no PDF download, no iTunes account or Google Play account <laughs> yeah. to learn from. Like, there's no books written by Fuad Kassab on how to heal your body. It's actually, it's just there, right? It's it's already programmed in. It's like the, it's the uh, operating system of every single human body is to heal itself. And so there's mechanisms set up to fight um, bacteria. There's mechanisms set up to fight inflammation or to uh, to fight uh, debris so a break for example or a, or a, a burst um, there's mechanisms set up to fight virus there's mechanisms set up in, in you know I suppose in every um, potential possible outcome that the body might experience for the body to fight that off so to speak I don't like to use the word fight because it's really just a, it's a fend it off and to protect it yeah um, we so turn everything into a war Damien don't yeah we? it's not a war it's really <laughs> yeah. not a war so it's just, we kind of think well we can go and drop nuclear bombs on um, <laughs> bacteria in the body yeah. uh, to cover of something but of course there's there's significant collateral damage when you take antibiotics and, and those sorts of drugs so yeah. but our body's very skilled at managing these infections the beautiful thing about medicine is where it is today is that we've also got the ability to utilize interventions that can assist our body to do it you know, either quicker um, or potentially um, offer support where the body's failing. Um, but what we don't do these days is allow our body to get sick and to go through it. So you might get a fever, which is the body's normal innate response to fight off a virus or a significant bacterial infection, and then we go and suppress that fever. And by suppressing it, you're actually then allowing the bacteria or the virus to take over and do more damage. And so the symptoms will last for longer, the illness will last for longer because the body's um, been disabled or now are not able to mount an appropriate response. The likelihood of, um, of a fever going out of control if it's gradually increased over time is, is very, very small. The possibility of the fever getting out of control if it goes up very, very quickly is high and so i think there needs to be some education around what is a fever like is a, a low-grade fever that tends to get up slowly 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 to arrive at 39 or 40 or 41 degrees is that okay and, and in my opinion for most people <laughs> this is a medical advice by any stretch of imagination it's actually okay to get to that point at slowly but if you go from a normal temperature of say 36 37 degrees and all of a sudden half an hour or an hour later you're at 41 or 42 degrees there's something significant going on so that's mm -hmm. where you'd seek medical advice. but the fact that we've got these powerful drugs like paracetamol and aspirin and neurofen or um ibuprofen in our pantries these days means that we can we can actually um, be our own doctor with very, very limited um, information or knowledge um, about what the long-term effect of that actually is and, and the significant long-term side effects to taking these sort of, of pharmaceutical uh, interventions. Interesting. Joe, I, I keep asking all the questions. I'm going to leave, leave the floor to you for a bit. So, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm just enjoying time. listening. I'm always, 
<laughs> well, I think it's all just about perspective, isn't it? So it is. what I'd love is, you know, if we get to the end of this podcast and I've shared a perspective on health so that people kind yeah. of go, oh, yeah, right, wow, well, that's interesting. Uh, if we get to that point, then that's a really great – that would be great for me. I feel like we've won. Yeah. Um, well, there's so much to teach, isn't there, really, at the end of the day? I guess we, like, I don't want to reinvent the wheel, so I'm just going to go with your uh, – your perspective now when a customer or I would say customer when a, when a patient comes into your practice now are you a chiropractor first or a naturopath first or how do you look at them what are your tools to assess things mm. um, how, when, yeah, what road do you, do you take is there, is there a road that you take that is you know uh, the one that you most follow or is each patient different how do you how do you is there a it? basic blueprint that you say okay now we start with this first or hmm. Mm. I, that's that's great. I think I I would now say that I would start with the nervous system first. So I would be a chiropractor first. Yeah. Um, but when people come to see me, I'm asking them what their goals are. So I've got a mate of mine coming to see me in a couple of days' time, and I know that he needs food first. Mm. So there's no point in me trying to address um, nervous system dysfunction, subluxation of the spine. Um, or anything like that at this point in time until he gets his diet under control because the cause of his problems in his body is the way in which he's fueled his body. Okay. So I'll get him to see the nutritionist that we've got working with us and she'll help him mm. get all that right. And then I'll, I'll come in and be at point whether he needs extra support through nutrition because things are so bad um, that maybe I've got to give some supplementation mm. to assist in the healing um, or maybe we've got to use some herbs to kind of you know bring some things under control because that's a probably a safer approach than using pharmaceutical intervention if we if we get that opportunity then those things will have to take place but um, at some point it's going to be really really important to address the dysfunction that's occurred in his nervous system because of course the nervous system is what controls the health of everything so I will want to look at his nervous system at some point to help him with that. So, and he's a mate of mine. Now, there'll be some people that come in to my practice and they say, there's nothing wrong with me. And, and I go, well, that's, that's fantastic. That's exactly the right place to be. So let's assess everything in your lifestyle. And so I'll start with the nervous system because that's the easiest thing to get under control. Mm -hmm. And then we'll look at diet and then we'll look at nutrition and then we'll look at sleep and then we'll look at movement. So we'll look at all of those sorts of things. But then the key thing that I'll ask is what is your goal? Like, what is it that you're actually wanting to achieve with your health? Because most people come in with an expectation that something's going to happen. So what is it that you're looking mm. for? You're looking to live a long time. You're looking to manage some kind of uh, disease process. You're looking to manage some kind of symptom. Do you want more energy? What's your driver um, of the reason that you're in Yeah, because there's got to be a reason that they came in. That's it. So mm. um, I, you know, for to answer your question, I have my chiropractic hat on um, most of the time. Um, because it, um, the philosophy of chiropractic underpins the way in which I look at the world. Um, and then my approach to helping people get well is a blend between chiropractic and naturopathy. Um, and, uh, you know, in terms of philosophy, but I, I try to be as human as I possibly can. You know, I try to take my practitioner hat off. I'm certainly not a clinician. I don't wear a white coat or have a stethoscope. <laughs> and we don't call our practice a clinic because it's not clinical. It's actually a very warm environment that, mm. you know, allows people to, uh, to come and feel safe, um, knowing that over a period of time we'll be working on everything that they want us to work on to help them be well. Not, so we're not just going to go, okay, these are all the problems. Let's get to work fixing them all. Um, we we will we'll step okay. it out and go you know, bit by bit. 
um, with a philosophy of health. Can I? I, I wish you were near me. I was like, go yeah. ahead, Joe. No, you, you say <laughs> that first. No, I was going to say, like, um, t- to your point, um, I've been through a crazy health journey. I, um, you've heard my story before, Damien. So um, what what I'm dealing with now is I've gotten over the weight issues and the skin issues and all that. But what, what remains with me is this kind of uh, chronic pain in my body, which like, for instance, I always feel my left shoulder is tugged up and I always feel like my uh, spine, it's always cracking and I always have to push it back in place. So, um, I'm, I'm living with this inability to move that I'm trying different things to, to address. And I know that regardless of how well my diet's going to be, this is something that needs to be addressed at the nervous nervous system level, at the muscle level, at the spine level. So, um, is there um, is uh, we're looking at things like osteopathy or chiropractics or um, massage and physiotherapy, and there's all these different or rolfing. There are all these different modalities that people can go for to address these things, and I personally find myself confused as to which one to take. And I'm just wondering, maybe. I know that, you know, like being a chiropractor, you're just going to probably uh, suggest chiropractics as mm-hmm. the, the one to go with. But how do people choose the best modality for them? Oh, that's such a great question, mate. And I think what's really important to understand is that we've all got different functions, different roles. Um, and I work very closely with a group of physios uh, literally just up the road. We've got osteopaths that uh, work next door to me. I've got another chiropractor two doors up. Um, there's exercise physiologists and Feldenkrais practitioners just around the corner. Um, we've got a masseur, a massage group that's literally 200 meters from me that I refer to as well. And, and it's really important to kind of understand, I suppose, that um, to get the body well, there's going to be some degree of triage. You know, we're going to need to um, get the services of a number of different practitioners to assist the body to yeah. heal really well. And it comes back then to the, um, the scope of practice that each of the practitioners um, employs. So... Chiropractors and osteopaths study in the same room together. In fact, um, the chiropractic and osteopathy started within six months of each other. Andrew Taylor Still, who founded osteopathy, and Dee Dee Palmer, who started chiropractic, uh, basically um, they were friends. They they knew each other. They um, shared each other's insights to the body, um, and they started you know this thing, 1895 for chiropractic and 1894 for osteopathy. But literally within six months of each other, and it was all based on a really loose uh, premise that um, you know the osteopathy looked at cerebral spinal fluid flow and blood flow as being um, the the. I suppose, the master of health and uh, well-being in the body. And chiropractic looked at the nervous system. And so we, we looked at the spinal cord and the brain um, as to the way in which we um, help, help the body heal itself. And so um, osteopathy in the United States became part of mainstream medicine because of the blood and the cerebral spinal fluid component. And chiropractic remained independent to mainstream medicine because the nervous system and the brain were seen to be independent of the function of the body, um, whereas we believe that it was actually the controller of the body. And now we understand that the nervous system does control the whole of the body. And so the difference in the philosophy of the two techniques, even though we learn exactly the same stuff at university, uh, it directs the way in which we apply our techniques. So I enjoy osteopathy. There's some things in osteopathy that I really, really like. Um, however, chiropractors are trained to work on the nervous system. And so our whole 
focus his nervous system. So if I was looking at a blood flow issue, or I was looking at a cerebral spinal fluid flow issue, or maybe even a cranial issue with children, um, I'd likely refer to the osteopaths next door to me. If I was looking at a um, at a nervous system issue, then I'd be the best person to be working with that sort of thing. So, you know, pain comes from the nervous system. Is that coming from the nerves or is that a blood pooling issue? Is it a cerebral spinal fluid flow issue? Chiropractors can help people understand that and so can osteopaths. And so they're, they're similar. It's just, I suppose, what do you, um, what resonates with you in terms of the approach? In terms of physiotherapists, they're excellent at helping people uh, return to um, a pre-injured state. Uh, and so they look for rehabilitation, look to rehabilitate um, an injured joint or an injured muscle um, to the point of where it was beforehand. So it's not necessarily a preventative model, mm-hmm. though you can use uh, physiotherapy for prevention. Um, really, that comes down to exercise physiology and personal mm-hmm. training is uh, is physiotherapy for prevention. But um, really, physiotherapy is all about the treatment of a break or of, of something that's no longer working. And that's the same as massage. Massage can be used to decrease stress and can be used to you know, improve um, the fibers of the muscles. But again, the nervous system controls and directs the speed of healing and the relaxation of the muscles. So mm-hmm. it's about coming back to the nervous system because that's the master controller. So I kind of see, and I know that you just said that, yes, I'm a chiropractor, I'm going to say you see a chiropractor. <laughs> what I do see is that if there's an injury, then you'd probably see a physio. If you've got some kind of um, blood pooling issue or a, a lymphatic issue or a, a cerebral spinal fluid issue, um, then you might go see your osteopath. Um but I've got a lot of people that I see in my practice that I manage the health of their spine and nervous system and they see an osteopath mm. and they see a physio and they get regular massage and they get acupuncture. And so it's not that um, it's it's all or nothing or one or yeah. the other. Sometimes that triage approach of having multi-practitioners working to help the body heal um, is a really great thing to do. And so it's just That's understanding the, the different roles. Yeah, it's just <laughs> understanding the roles. And I know there's financial considerations for all of that because unless it's drugs and surgery the government doesn't fund it um it's you know we've it's a user pay system here in australia so it's just that and that's just the way that it is unfortunately but that's just you know people got a budget to work out work out what that's going to give them the most of their benefit but Mm. the nervous system controls it so i would say use a chiropractor and whatever else um is required to get your body right can i just talk to you about the nervous system and brain side of things um, we found chiropractic really helpful for Isaac when he was so bad with his anxiety. Can you just talk a little bit about working on anxiety with what you do? Because I think we get a lot of people that ask us about those kind of issues. How does it work? Yeah. Yeah. It's a really interesting thing because, you know, um, and and one of the, the most challenging things I think around uh, the understanding of how chiropractic works is that there's such a little amount of research and chiropractic's kind of been bundled into the back pain, neck pain, headache yeah. kind of um, therapy. Uh, and, and so as a result, the, the research has been directed in those sorts of um, environments. But chiropractic first started in 1895 with Dee Dee Palmer talking to his um, work janitor and he couldn't hear him properly. And he just bumped his head and he couldn't hear him, so it's essentially deaf is what they say. And he, Dede Palmer was a magnetic healer, and he decided that he was going to, for whatever reason, I don't know, you know, all of the ins and outs. I wasn't there, but he palpated the um, janitor's spine and found that there, he thought there was a bone out of place. And so 
he, he uses language like I racked the bone back into place and <laughs> Sounds he, painful. he's hearing, I oh know, right? He, and you don't know if he did that with a piece of 4B2 or what he did, but you don't know. <laughs> but he, uh, he got that bone back to where he felt was best and this guy's hearing was restored. Anyway, so as the story goes, DD then traveled around all of the US and, you know, with a horse and cart instead of found the cure to deafness and um, <laughs> and millions of people went and got adjusted and thought that their hearing was going to be restored. And, and not one other person had their hearing restored um, over the next, you know, 10 years or whatever it was. And so, but what happened was that people would find that their neck pain went or their back pain went or their concentration improved or their um their mood improved or their their digestive problems alleviated or their pelvic problems, you know, mm. were improved or whatever else happened. There was this big, long string. And in DD's books, he writes of all the different conditions that he ended up managing to help people with. And, and back in those days, they were looking for silver bullets to cure things. And they were always looking for ways in which they would um, be able to save people from being sick. And so chiropractic then became one of those therapies that would help people but because it was so successful at neck pain and back pain and headache it kind of meant that that's kind of where we went and they were really easy things to research in terms of the research around um, happiness or anxiety depression um, mood stabilization uh, behavior cognition etc etc because the research is really limited there we don't necessarily understand the mechanism by which that works however what we do understand is that when there's um, um, a, a reduced uh, amount of tension in the spinal cord, whether that be from exercise, stretching or chiropractic or any other modality, when there's reduced tension in the spinal cord, the body operates better. Mm. And and left to operate better, the body has the opportunity to heal itself better, if that makes sense. Okay. So it's that there's less attention in a particular area um, of need uh, and so then the body is then able to then go and just do what it needs to do, and that is yeah. heal. And so it's that whole contention that chiropractic fixes anxiety or fixes um, stress or whatever else. Yes, there's going to be mechanisms that explain that. Can we explain it yet? Probably not really, really well. But what we do and the way in which we describe that it actually happens um, is that we're removing um, interference to the nervous mm. system to allow the body to get to the end point of healing and mm. so it's not meant to be esoteric and it's not meant to sound quasi-religious what it's meant to what it's meant to indicate is that the body has a, a remarkable ability to heal and by removing interference to the ability to heal which is um coming from the spine then it can actually heal itself and and so that's probably where isaac mm. yeah. received the benefit rather than chiropractic treating anxiety or depression mm. it just really alleviated any extra tension or torsion in his spinal cord well it's very much like when um you you reduce like with what we did with the diet with gaps um, when you 100%. take out the foods that are difficult to digest and the body's not working super hard trying to just digest food, it can actually focus on the healing. I guess it's the same kind of principle. Oh, absolutely. And there's a, um, there's a great saying by BJ Palmer. Um, BJ was um, DD's son. And so BJ was the guy where they, they called the developer of chiropractic. And so there was the inventor, the developer, and then BJ's son was the destroyer of chiropractic. So we find that it's funny. <laughs> nice. um, but BJ said the body needs nothing. Uh, I think the body, yeah, the body needs nothing to heal. It just needs no interference. Yeah. And 
And so in other words, exactly. if, the, if left to its own devices and in a great environment where there's no deficiency or interference, then the mm. body can actually heal itself. Yeah. So if the interference is coming from food, yeah. you know, if it's coming from foods that you're allergic to or causing disruption yes. to the gut, right. um, then of course that's going to be a problem. You've got to remove all of that. That mm. in itself is what I would call a subluxation or a yeah. blockage to proper healing. Yeah. Um, and if that's coming from the spine, then you address it. If it's coming from... Um, bed sheets because they've been, you know, washed in mm, um, chemicals yeah. that cause problems. Yeah. Or if there's toxins in the home, then those are the subluxations to the mm. body's ability to heal. So you remove any of those barriers to healing um, and, and then the body can heal itself. That's really good. I really like that picture of removing the roadblocks and so the body can do its work. Yeah. Nice, hey? That's, That's a philosophy. <laughs> what did it take us to get to that point? It took us 50 something minutes to get to that point. <laughs> yeah, we should probably. Um, they say, leave it alone. Leave it alone. Leave the body alone. Let it do its thing. And, I think that's uh, also it a, a part of the reason why fasting is so powerful yeah. as a healing modality, as well, is that you just give it a, give it a bit of a chance to get back it. on its feet. Take the pressure off. Um, yeah. Uh, Damon, with. Um, Here's a bit of a question for you that um, I've just moved to the Blue Mountains a few months ago and I've been looking for a local chiropractor Mm -hmm. and um, it was a couple of days ago I was driving around and um, I saw a chiropractor sign but in front of it the fence was all crooked. I'm like, I'm not going there. (laughs) (laughs) Chiropractors are going to have straight fences and straight signs. So it's posture, doesn't it? Yeah. One of the those things that um, like I know you need a little bit of commitment before you start seeing results with a the chiro. Sorry, with the chiro. Sometimes, you know, they say, well, the initial treatment's gonna be three times for uh, a week for the next six weeks, and then we'll start going down to you know two days a week, and then once uh, in every fortnight or whatever it is, and it's a long term commitment and. You kind of yeah. don't know how well you're progressing until the time's gone by. And sometimes you could just be throwing money down, you know, the wrong practitioner. Like they just might not be good for you. And you have no idea how to ascertain that because you're asked to be patient before results are. Be a patient. Are, patient. Yeah. Like yeah. before you can see them. <laughs> yeah. So okay. how, how do people make it? Yeah, like having a, a good personal referral is a really nice way to go because, yeah, there is a commitment to your care and it takes time. You don't go to the gym just once and you're fit for life mm. um, and you certainly don't eat uh, one of Joe's quirky cooking <laughs> recipes and all of a sudden you've done the GAPS program. Uh, it's You know, there is a commitment to getting yeah. yourself well. You know, so if you've got to a point where you're now symptomatic, then you've gone a long way beyond um, where the body would normally feel at ease. And so you're now in a state of what's called disease, or mm. you know, and you stay in that state of disease, then you move to disease, you know. And so there's there's challenges there that people don't yet fully understand that it takes time to heal the body. It takes time to train the nervous system to work really, really well again. Um, and it wants to do it, but you've got to allow it to get to that point. It's like the gut wants to heal, but you've got to give it time. And the body wants to lose weight but you've got to give it time. You don't yeah. just have a salad and fish for one meal and lose 20 kilos. Mm-hmm. Like That's just not how it's going to happen. So it does actually take some time. And because people are so conditioned to take paracetamol uh, when they've got mm-hmm. pain, they expect that one treatment or one visit to the chiropractor is going to actually fix it. it. Yeah. Well, 
Yeah, but it's you've got to actually get the spine and the nervous system and the musculature. All of that's got to work really well again, and it just takes time. Um, and what we do know is that the intensive part of care in the early phase of your care is very, very powerful. So a lot of a lot of your benefit and a lot of your results come from that early part of care, um, and then the long term benefit of chiropractic happens over time. So it's months and years of care, not just a couple of days or weeks. Mm. So it's um, you, you want to do it for a longer period of time. Absolutely. But, you know, to, to put that concern at ease, um, it's good to look for a chiropractor that's part of um, a, a group of people that are moving in the same direction. And so I always recommend that people look for chiropractors that are part of what's a group called the CAA, the Chiropractors Association of Australia. So that'll always be up. That that means that most of the time those chiropractors have a particular philosophy that the body um, is able to heal itself and uh, and they will look outside of just pain um, to, to help the body go really well. So they'll, yes, they'll look for pain and they'll, they'll identify it and try to manage it and help you and treat it, et cetera, et cetera but they allow the body to heal itself as well. So there's a, an understanding that the body is really powerful and can actually heal itself. So um, I'll look for those people and I also look for a practice that looks after children. Mm. So if you've got a practice that looks after children as well as looks after adults, then you've got a really great practice. Um, if you've got a practice that's primarily focused on um, back pain, then that's a great place to go for back pain, but it may not be the place to go for someone to take charge and to assist you in um, healing other areas of your life as well. Mm. Excellent. That's, that's really helpful. Maybe after, after this I can pick your brain about if you know anyone local to me anyway as well to get your referral. Um, yeah. My, um, my chiropractor was partly trained by Damien way up here in Final yeah. Thompson. Yep, no in way. New Zealand. Oh, yep. really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your chiropractor? Tim... Uh, 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 what's his last name? He's just Tim. <laughs> I think it's Tim Jack. Hi, Timothy Jack. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know Tim. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's so he cool. always speaks yeah. so well of you. <laughs> oh, I paid him well. What's really nice? <laughs> is, uh, there's this really beautiful thing, and I think part of what I um, what I use as my philosophy is you never know how far reaching oh, uh, what I you know. say, what you do, or what you do, or, you, or you, what you don't do, yeah. or what you don't say actually go so you don't know the impact of your message and how far reaching that is and i suppose you guys would both be aware of that now that you're yeah, world famous with your books and your podcast it's uh, you know the people coming up to you is and hearing those stories joe that's great say hi to tim for me i will i will he'll be thrilled to hear his name on the podcast he listens <laughs> <laughs> awesome uh, then we'll get maybe to the to the and that topic that we skipped over in the beginning. Yes, we need to get and, to that. And, uh, the main topic of the is, podcast. <laughs> well, it's not, no, it's what not we good. wanted to do here was to, to bring clarity again and, and a balanced view because, um, you know, people, they, they're either on the left or the right of this issue. And I'd, I'd like to get a middle ground for it and to see really what's going on and to not have any preconceived judgment or anything like that and just to really see it with clarity and as i said before uh, earlier in the show i i was overseas and i came back and i had a bunch of emails people saying that natural health therapies are under attack and that we have to sign petitions and that things aren't uh, you know our access to natural health therapies is going to be uh, we won't we would lose it and then um 
we were, I was, I was seeing it on a Facebook uh, post, all my friends were putting it up on Facebook. I'm like, what's mm, going on? Like, I leave the country for, for for a month and I come back. And, and it all falls know, apart without all... you for a while. Yeah, what's happening? <laughs> so, Don't leave again. Uh, Don't leave again. <laughs> so, uh, so I thought uh, you'd be the best person to give us that kind of clarity. So can you tell us a bit about what's going on? Yeah, look, it came to light um, a few months ago. Uh, I'm a member of, I'm not a member, well, I suppose I am a supporter of the Health Australia Party, um, which is a, a political party that's run by Isaac Golden, mm-hmm. who was started by Isaac, and he's a homeopath, and he's very, very... Um, incredibly clever and re- and so smart and he advises the Indian government on the immunization programs and uh, and has done so for many many years and his um, his model of healthcare uh, is homeopathy uh, which is very much linked to herbalism and naturopathy and nutrition and all those sorts of things and and so he's been standing up for the rights of uh, those sorts of practitioners in Australia um, and trying to say trying to um, ensure that um, that the public get access to these sorts of um, therapies and treatments, um, and, and fairly and easily without bias and um, uh, I suppose um, vindication. So the Health Australia Party, I think, was you know set up you know just at the nick of time, just before the last um, election, and didn't really rise to power and didn't really get enough vote. However, Isaac contacted me and said, "Hey, we're in a bit of trouble. We're about to lose naturopathy, and uh, we're about to lo- not lose, but lose um, the right to claim uh, from you know, the services through health insurance." And I always thought that health insurance was a, a, like a private thing, so it was something that um, was owned by private enterprise yeah. um, and uh, they could determine who was on their policy and who wasn't on their policy, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, what cover- things they covered. But it appears um, that that's not the case, that the government has a role to play in health insurance mm. um, that I didn't know about. I, obviously, I knew that there was the Medicare component, but there's a there's a government component to um, health private insurance. Health and insurance. so. Yeah, and they've legislated or they've now put into place legislation that means that um, naturopaths, yoga, um, acupuncture, I don't, actually I don't know if acupuncture is part of it because acupuncture is a registered health profession. So um, th- there's a, a number of different therapies that were part of this particular um, legislation that now can't be claimed in um, your private health insurance because the government said so. But what the government mentioned to us probably 10 or so years ago, about a decade ago, was that we needed to get our our shops in order. We needed to collate evidence that what we were doing was safe, number one, effective, number two, um, cost-effective, probably number three or four, um, and highly utilised. And what ended up happening is instead of the associations coming together, and there's a number of associations, five, six or seven of them, um, instead of each of those associations coming together and, and, and forming an umbrella group or becoming registered as part of the national board, um, they continued to be independent. Um, and the challenge with remaining independent was that you had lots of people moving in different directions and they weren't bound by a code of ethics or a standard of governance. And that also meant that there was not much money put into research. Um, and so a lot of money has been spent on product development and the advancement of the safety of the care, but very little evidence uh, was was taken from the practice of it. And and it's, it's not necessarily under um, 
strict control as to the way in which people would actually practice. So if you, if Joe, if you came to me with a particular problem and Fuad came to me with the same problem um, and it had the same cause, um, so you went to two different naturopaths, you went to mm-hmm. two different naturopaths, same problem, same cause, same symptoms, people would treat or manage it in two very, very different ways yeah. um, based on the education that had been provided by industry. Mm-hmm. And that's not very, very safe for the government and the government doesn't see it as very reproducible and right, potentially yeah. it's very, very expensive and to some extent quite risky because one person might get it right and the other person might not get it right mm. and uh, so on and so forth. So essentially we were told a long time ago that we need to get our shops in order and we didn't. And um, and now we're in a situation where the government said, well, guys, you've been told for a long time that you need to get this sorted out, and you haven't. Um, and we could definitely argue, and I would argue this, that government funding, especially through the NHMRC, National Health and Research Medical Council, has been directed towards drugs and surgery and mainstream medicine. Mm-hmm. That money hasn't come into natural medicine to you know see if it's it worked or not. They, they did a flawed um, investigation into the results and the benefits of homeopathy. That was very flawed, and that's, you know, before the courts at the moment, so they can't be spoken about at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of political, medica- uh, uh, political medicine that has kind of seemed to be tainting um, natu- naturopathy and other health uh, professions that are outside of mainstream medicine. And, uh, and that makes us look bad. Um, and so we just we didn't sit together and we didn't get everything in order. So the government said, well, we can't fund you. And mm-hmm. that's essentially what it's come down to. So now is a really important time that, um, that the professions have to get together, somehow pull together and then state their case and say, hang on a second, we've now got our stuff into order. And it might take two, three, five or ten years to get back on the radar. But um, we need the public support. We need the public's help. Uh, we need the government to know that the public likes us and, and yeah. wants to use us. And has found and, you beneficial. Uh, and, and has found yeah. us beneficial and, be, and we're safe and we're effective. Um, and, and then we've got to get our stuff into order and then get some research under our belts um, that you know are beyond rat and mouse trials. We need human yeah. studies, and and so we've, got to, we've just got to lift our game. There's nothing like a crisis to bring people together, Damien. Yeah, <laughs> so that's true. right. That's right. Um, and look, I'm so, so middle of the bell curve. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm definitely not an extremist. I wrote an article. I'm not a health activist, but I need you to know this, and I put that on my Facebook page. Yeah. I think it's been shared 60 times, and lots look. of people read it. There's been lots of comments. It's been really good. Um, I actually got a bit of help there from Kyle Brock. He wrote a really awesome. great article, and I, I literally cut and pasted some of his paragraphs into my one just to yeah. to make mm-hmm. it sound. Well, I noticed his um, and, newsletter on, on the subject was good. That's all I've read so far. Yeah, well, when you read his newsletter and my article, you see that some parts are very similar, Joe. <laughs> uh, but, I'll have uh, to, we I, can put the links, uh, we can put the link in the show notes for you all who are listening. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. But, but then what what do we do? Like, is there something that we can do? Like, is yeah. something those petitions going to do anything? Like, what do we yeah. do? Yeah. Well, certainly I know that Isaac's thing with the Health Australia Party's thing was to get enough signatures that would um, help sway the government into reconsidering what they're doing. Um, I think that, you know, contacting your local member of parliament and parliament and saying, hey, I use naturopathy and I don't like that it's been taken away from me. Mm. Um, and then sitting with your parliamentarian, actually booking a time or writing a letter to your local politician. Um, and, you know, in Australia, we don't fight back mm. ever. And you yeah. would see this for our... I'm, I'm sure that in other countries around the world and all of us when we've observed governments taking over countries, 
Um, mm. There's a big public outcry if something's yeah. not right. Yeah. We don't yeah. do it in Australia. We go, oh, okay, Slap. well, you know. She'll be right, mate. You, we, yeah, we voted <laughs> no, you in. You'll do it right. I think also, also one of my biggest concerns is it's easier to keep something on than to reintroduce it after it's been taken off. Like you look at something oh, yeah. like Ephedra, which was like a, a plant yeah. that uh, naturopaths had been using for the centuries, really. And yeah. then that got uh, scheduled. And there's no way yeah. we're going to be able to bring that back easily anymore. Like it's just not going to happen. And, well, they did the uh, same thing with Carver, mate. So they did the same yeah. thing with Carver. They did the same I, thing with um, oh, what's the um, there's a big a big leaf. Oh, what's that leaf called? It's known as bone set. Oh anyway, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, the one that they uh, said that's going to kill you if you have too much of it. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, anyway, they've they've managed to bring those back on, but again, that's all about research. And so, as long as you can prove that something's safe, and in Australia we have incredible legislation regulation around vitamins and minerals. We've got the, the strictest standards in the world, and so provided you can show evidence for cause and effect, um, then we can be used. But so it's not that we're going to lose access to this stuff. It's that we're not able to re- get government assistance to utilize the. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is that it, we already have the government access now. Let's just yeah. keep it rather than. Yeah, I know. This, you know, I know. I mean? Wouldn't it be great? I know. Yeah. It it's it's very. Di- you're right. I agree with you. It's so difficult to bring it back in, and we worked so hard. You know, to get back it in, in 1994, place. I think it was. Yeah, 94, 95, 96. David Fitz, who was then the the head of the umbrella group that kind of looked after all of natural therapies, which I think has been disbanded now, um, that David managed to meet with the regulators and meet with the governments and then got us into private health insurance. And so mm. that was something that he fought for back then, you know, 23 odd years ago, 24 years ago. And uh, and it's it didn't last long. But basically what that says is that in that time, we've done nothing really to prove that what we do do work. Mm-hmm. Um, all we've done is just continue to do our thing, continue to do our thing, continue to do our thing, and then um, with that further advancements and further um, shifts in the goalposts of what our requirements should be and our reporting should be, um, it just hasn't been met. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Worry. But, you know, this is uh, this has been a general kind of podcast with you, and um, we probably be very well served if we brought you back on the show to talk about a bit more specific topics things like um the the topics that our uh listeners are really interested in things like reversing autoimmune diseases and allergies and things like that and how we approach that from your perspective i'd love to help you i'd love to come back and talk about that yeah Oh, thank you. We would love it. I've always said to you, Damien, that you need to start in your spare time a YouTube channel for kids with um, explaining health because you're so good at explaining it in a fun way. Like when you go, when you hit, isn't that right, Fouad? When you hear Damien speak, like at the Wellness Summit, it's just so, so well done and everyone can understand it. Just like. Um, really clear, Very clear. Like you're really, really clear about your message. Like we were pretty and, serious uh, today, but <laughs> in real life, Damon's such a serious. cracker. Yeah, <laughs> no. I'm pretty lighthearted. I'm pretty lighthearted kind of guy. But I do want to, you know, I try to make it easy for people to understand. But I think philosophy is what makes things easy because if you can yeah. embrace a philosophy around health and life, you've got to know the why. Then it's, yeah, you got to know your why. Start with why. And, um, mm. and, but the moment you start to talk about rhetoric and you start to bring in complicated, you know, words and complicated mm. 
approaches to getting the body well is I suppose the moment you start to ignore the wisdom of the body and, and really coming back to that philosophy that the body heals the body. Oh, sorry, the power that made the body heals the body. Um, if you can maintain that philosophy, then really what you're doing is anything that helps the body heal. That's really what you're looking to do. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Damon, thank you so much. And yeah. I will certainly have you on in 2018 as that's coming up sooner than we think. Sure. It is, isn't it? <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> Thanks, Jojo. It's great Thanks to be so uh, talking with you guys. Yeah, you. we'll be down in Melbourne um, start of December, so hopefully we can see you Let's at one of up. our seminars. Let's catch up. That'd be great. That'd be, be great. Let's have a, uh, a soy, oh, half-strength vegan almond. No, <laughs> stop. Skinny, half-strength, whatever we're going to do. <laughs> Let's just go out for dinner awesome. and have a good meal. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> Meat and some vegetables, that would be good. Oh, I love it. See, this is where health's coming back to, sensibleness. Yeah. I think that's where we're going to be. Yeah, Damo, we'll chat to you soon. Thank you, Damo. See you guys. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.